Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. I have been sharing with you for the past few weeks concerning the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And today we're looking at the subject of the resurrection and women. It is impossible to overstate the importance of Christ's resurrection. And one of the important aspects concerns the position and the role of women. I read from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, underscore, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those of you who know me know that I believe that Scripture context is imperative. And so, I want us to look at the context of this verse. Back up to Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have, underscore, been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is much in these two verses that we could discuss, but for the sake of time, I want us to particular note that phrase, baptized into Christ. What does baptism signify? What does baptism represent? Well, you and I are not left to guess for the answer to those questions. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, the question is asked, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, baptism represents and signifies a death, a death to a sinful life. But baptism also represents and signifies a resurrection, a resurrection to a new life, a new life where old things are passed away and all things are become new. Now, follow me very closely. On what is this beautiful new resurrected life based? On what? It's only possible because of the death and resurrection of Christ. And because of the death and resurrection of Christ, the equality in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, the equality of there being neither Jew nor Greek, the equality of there being neither bond nor free, 
the quality of their being neither male or female, the quality of Galatians 3.28 is anchored in the resurrection of Christ. And so again I repeat, it is impossible to overstate the importance of Christ's resurrection. And one of the important aspects concerns the position and role of women. Now, to more fully understand and appreciate this, it's necessary for us to back up and observe women in the post, uh, pardon me, the pre-resurrection context. So, let's notice a few concepts of women in the Old Testament as we look at this pre-resurrection concept. First of all, I want you to look at women in the Old Testament regarding learning and keeping the law. You see, women were equally responsible with men for keeping and learning God's law. Deuteronomy 31 in verse 12, gather the people together, men, women, and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. And as someone is about to ask, well, why should they be gathered together? Listen, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. So the they included men, women, and children. Also, look at women in the Old Testament regarding prayer. You see, women were free to pray as men in the Old Testament. They were free to approach God in prayer the same way men did. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. I'm just going to read a portion of it. And Hannah prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli the priest marked or noticed her mouth. Also, look at women in the Old Testament regarding sacrifices. Even though the majority of sacrifices were brought by men because they were representatives of their household, the Bible teaches that in certain instances, women were also expected to bring sacrifices. Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. She shall bring it unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement or a reconciliation for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. Thus is the law 
for her that hath borne a male or a female. Also, look at women in the Old Testament regarding holding office. Judges chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. You see, Deborah functioned and contributed as a judge. And there is no indication in this passage that the people of Israel or the commander of the army, Barak, resented the leadership of Deborah just because she was a woman. No indication at all. And how about women in the Old Testament regarding having a religious ministry? 2 Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 12. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Asahiah, a servant of the king's, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all which is written concerning us. That was a commandment from the king. Now notice their response. So they went unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikbah, the son of Hahas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. You see, the account of Huldah, the prophetess, and follow me closely. The account of Huldah the prophetess and the fact that King Josiah sent these men to her, not to Jeremiah and not to Zephaniah, who were contemporary prophets, but rather he sent them to the prophetess, illustrates that in Old Testament times, there was value placed on the spiritual ministry of women to Israel. So what conclusion must we reach? This brief survey shows that the function of women in the Old Testament 
played a vital role in both the private and the public religious life of Israel. However, following the close of the Old Testament, women became relegated to a position of inferiority. In the religious life, after the close of the Old Testament, women were largely excluded from participation in public worship, and they were almost totally excluded from any formal type of religious education at all. To illustrate this, I want you to listen to a prayer, a prayer that is attributed to Rabbi Jehuda. I quote, Blessed art thou, O Lord our King, our God, King of the universe, who hast not made me a Gentile. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who hast not made me a slave. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who hast not made me a woman. Unquote. That was the attitude of the majority of Israel after the close of the Old Testament. Now, let's shift our attention to Christ's attitude toward women. Why do we need to do this? We need to look at Christ's attitude toward women because the treatment, listen to me carefully, the treatment of Jesus toward women represented a radical break, a radical break with the Jewish tradition of his time. So let's notice the master's attitude toward women. First of all, I want us to notice Christ's attitude toward women as persons you see, central to Christ's attitude toward women is that Jesus did not view women in terms of gender. Jesus did not view women in terms of age. Jesus did not view women in terms of marital status. But rather, he viewed women in terms of their relationship with God. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 50 illustrates this attitude. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, <laughs> the same is my brother and sister and mother. Did you note that the relationship of women in doing God's will determined the attitude of Christ toward women? Did you notice that? There's also a description in the book of Luke, chapter 13 and verse 16, 
that is very applicable to this attitude. It's indicative of how Jesus gave value to the personhood of women. Luke 13, verse 16. He asks the question, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Now follow me very closely. The title of son of Abraham was commonly used at that time. And it was used to emphasize the worth of a man. But the title daughter of Abraham was virtually unknown. And so by using this title, Jesus was intending to bring value to women, to that crippled woman. And Jesus was also intending to bring out the value on women in general. All women. I want you to also note Christ's attitude toward women as sharers of the gospel. Some of the women who followed Jesus during his ministry assumed a very prominent role at the time of his crucifixion and at the time of his resurrection. And at the risk of their own lives, they followed Christ to the cross. At the risk of their own lives, they followed his body to the burial place. And they wanted to show their love for him by returning later after the Sabbath day to anoint his body with spices and ointment. But when the women returned to the tomb on that Sunday morning, after the Sabbath, to anoint Christ's body, they were honored. They were honored in two ways. They were honored with the news of the resurrection, and they were honored to be the first to see the risen Savior. I read from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, they, if, if thou have borne him hence, or taken him away, 
tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. <laughs> Mary. He just said one word, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, and underscore this phrase, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father, and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Listen to me carefully, my friends. Jesus clearly gave a gospel commission to the woman, and she was to take that gospel commission news of the resurrection to the disciples. Would you allow me to repeat that? Jesus clearly gave a gospel commission to the woman. I say it again. To the woman. May I say it one more time? To the woman. And she was to take the glorious news of the resurrection to his brethren, the disciples. That was the attitude of Christ toward women. Now, in closing, let's look at women in the New Testament after the resurrection. It pains me to say what I'm about to say, but I've got to say it anyway. There are some people, some good people, some good people who are honest to their convictions. And may I just digress a moment and state that Convictions are not principles. There is a difference between principle and conviction. But there are some good people who are honest to their convictions, who believe and who teach that women are not to minister in the church. Now, it is not the purpose of the sermon to debate this issue. I could debate it with you. But it's not the purpose of the sermon to debate this issue from this pulpit on this day. But having said this, it is beneficial for us to note passages from the New Testament post-resurrection to refer that refer to women as being active in gospel ministry underscoring that word active. And so, I want to stress from these passages, and I could quote others, that women were active in gospel ministry. Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. 
And the same man had four daughters, virgins, underscore, which did prophesy. Now, will you agree with me that that is an active aspect of ministry? Gospel ministry, if you will. How about Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 5? And I'm just going to, to read a couple of verses instead of all of them. Paul penned, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my underscore, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Now, will you agree with me that the word helpers is active? And if they they were helpers in gospel ministry, they were active. Would you agree with me on that? He continued, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, underscore, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles likewise greet the church that is in their plural house. Question, did Priscilla teach? Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and been fervent in the Spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, underscore, they, 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 they took him unto them and expounded or explained unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now, will you agree with me that that word expounded or explained is an active word? They were active in gospel ministry. And then finally, look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. And I entreat or beg thee also, true yoke fellow, help those underscore, those women who labored with me in the gospel. Now, will you agree with me that that word labored is an active word? And they were active in what? They were active in the gospel with Clement also and with my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Listen to me carefully, my friends. Why is Christ's resurrection important to women? It's important because the atonement purchased by the precious blood of Christ The atonement is intended to restore the creation order of the human race that God instituted at the time of creation. You see, the resurrection of Christ does not eliminate different social roles for men and women. It doesn't eliminate them. But as men and women alike believe in the resurrected Lord, 
the religious uniqueness God desires will become a reality. And when you and I walk in the light of religious principle, not in the light of our convictions, but when we walk in the light of religious principle, the religious differences we possess will complement one another as God intended in the creation of Eve from the side of Adam to be his helpmate. I think I will say hallelujah about now. Hallelujah for women. Women, never forget the importance of Christ's resurrection. Because Jesus arose from the tomb, you can have faith that Jesus will forgive you your sins. And because Jesus rose from the tomb, you can reverberate with life and with lips that you have been restored to the likeness of the Father. And through Jesus, the likeness of the Father can shine from you to minister to others as a daughter, as a wife, and as a mother to spiritual people. We need some mothers in spiritual Israel today who will dare to follow biblical principles. And during this time of celebrating motherhood, Rebecca and I would like to say to each mother here and each mother who will be listening to this presentation, happy Mother's Day to each of you. We love you because you are special. Special not because of who you are, but special because of whose you are. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.